Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Satan had a plan, and his plan was to destroy Jesus. He tried to destroy him at his birth by having Herod's paranoia lead him to slaughter all the children two years and under. And when he found that he couldn't destroy Jesus' body, the devil tried to destroy Jesus' soul by destroying his trust and faith in God. If the devil could destroy Jesus' faithfulness, then he, his, his perfection would be destroyed. And if he destroyed his perfection, then he destroyed our salvation. So Satan tried to shatter Jesus' faithfulness to his father by tempting him to sin at his weakest point in the wilderness when he was the most hungry after 40 days of fasting. The devil tried to make Jesus doubt God's goodness for him when he turned the Pharisees against him, Judas, his own disciple whom he loved so much, against him, betraying him for 30 pieces of silver. And even the crowds and the mobs he turned against him who cried out for his blood. Satan tried to demolish Christ's faith in the Father by taunting him while he hung on the cross bleeding, saying he can save others, but he can't save himself. The devil worked with all of his might to make just one sliver of doubt cross through Jesus' mind, one speck of uncertainty be found in his heart, and he couldn't do it. The victory remained with Christ. And even while Jesus' heart was pierced in the greatest agony and sorrow with a spear, and even while his own Father in heaven forsook him, Christ never once, not for a split second, not with an ounce, doubted his Father, but remained faithful through it all, even as the blood poured out of his veins, he remained faithful to God and to us. Satan failed at the cross. He couldn't make Jesus fail. Jesus refused to fail. He refused to doubt. He refused to give up so that he could have you. And this was Satan's plan. This was his plan A. He says, I'm going to make Jesus doubt. That is my first plan. So when the devil saw that he couldn't get Jesus to doubt, he went back to the drawing board. He draws up a new plan and he has a different play. And this is his plan B. If plan A was to make Jesus doubt, plan B is to make you doubt. Since the devil could not make Jesus be unfaithful, he will try to make you unfaithful. Since the devil couldn't get Jesus to doubt the Father's word at any moment, the devil will try to get you to doubt his word at every moment. If the devil couldn't stop Jesus from doing all he did for you, the devil will try to make you doubt that it was actually for you. And this is precisely what we see him do in the gospel lesson for today, which you heard. Eight days ago, Christ rose from the dead and appeared to his disciples. And while the disciples were rejoicing in the empty tomb and the word of God, Thomas put his head down in unbelief and doubt as as doubt filled his heart. Notice that Thomas wasn't with the disciples the first time. When Jesus appeared to them, he wasn't there. Out of depression, out of despair, Out of the lowest dejection, Thomas isolated himself from the others because he couldn't even bear to show his face. He saw Jesus mistreated, abused, tortured, and killed. He lost all hope and all joy. And while the other disciples were filled with an inconceivable gladness, Thomas was burdened with doubt, with unbelief. 
The devil swirled around Thomas, filling his heart with the vacillation and despair since Good Friday, the day that the so-called savior of the world was brutalized, bruised, and bloodied on a tree. And there behind locked doors, Satan teased Thomas with apprehension, saying, Look, Thomas, there's no hope for you now. Jesus, the one you believed in, is dead, and he's in a tomb. This Jesus who said he could take away your sins and make you a child of God is no more. He's a myth, he's a legend, he's dead, and his corpse is rotting in the tomb somewhere, and now every promise he made you is rotting alongside that festering corpse. He's not here, he's only a figment of your imagination. There's no hope for you today. For eight days, the devil tortured and afflicted Thomas with doubt and skepticism and unease that it was all a lie. And this is the sorrow that Thomas carried with him for eight days. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine the sorrow and the grief that Thomas is going through? Can you imagine for eight days that everything you ever learned, everything you ever hoped for, everything you ever did, everything you ever believed, all the meaning that you had and the purpose you had in life was absolutely gone. It was only by the grace of God that Thomas didn't end his life out of indignity and hopelessness thinking that Christ was dead in the tomb. And even when the disciples came running to Thomas, trying to convince him, trying to shake him and wake him up and say, look, Jesus is risen. I saw him. The tomb is empty. He's not here. Thomas locks himself in the house for for so much fear of what's going to happen to him. And he thinks they're hallucinating. He's dismissing them. They're lying. They're deceiving themselves. He thinks the disciples have gone mad. They say he's risen, even though everyone and their mother saw Jesus die on the cross. Thomas admits he's incapable. He says, I'm incapable of understanding and believing that a dead man would come back from the dead. So while the disciples rejoiced, Thomas didn't. He demanded proof. And he didn't demand any proof. He didn't ask for a sign from heaven or a vision or a wonder. He demanded proof of the resurrection. He demanded only to see with his eyes Jesus And he wanted to see and touch and feel Jesus, the very flesh that he saw. And he wanted to feel that it was real. Thomas wanted to back up the evidence with one sense by the sense of another. He not only wanted to see the wounds of Christ, he wanted to put his finger in them and make sure that this wasn't an illusion or hallucination or or, or just something he thought up. And those were his conditions. Thomas lays it out flat. Either I see Jesus and put my hands in his wounds and his side, or I'm out. Either I place my hand in his lethal, gaping wound on his side that pierced him and as, as, as his blood and water poured out of his body. Either I put my hand there, or I want nothing to do with you, with the Christians, with Jesus, or anything. I'm out. Here you see the depth of Thomas's doubt and the gravity of his sorrow. He didn't want a pretty lie. He didn't want wishful thinking. He wanted the truth and only the truth. He demanded to be satisfied by only what was real, only what was actual, only by the truth. And he has it no other way. This is how Thomas is. And while Satan perfectly carried out his plan B and assailed Thomas with doubt, and while the devil was screaming in his ear, 
That you have no hope, you have no joy, you have no God. You're still in your sin and you're still in death. Jesus burst forth in all of his resurrected glory in a moment. Just as Christ left the tomb while the stone didn't move an inch, so too Christ appeared to Thomas and the disciples before the doors were unlocked. And there in a moment, all of Thomas's despair, all of his sorrow, all of his sadness, all of his doubt... And all of the devil's lies crumbled and turned to dust as the Son of God, his God and his Lord, appeared before him in flesh and blood with stripes on his back and scars, saying, Peace be with you. As Christ the crucified stands before Thomas, he wipes away his doubt and uncertainty and casts it out. And he says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands and put your hand in my side. Don't disbelieve, but believe. Jesus holds out his hands and feet and his side as if he were to say, Look, Thomas, open your eyes. Reach out your hand. And do you remember what was done to me? Do you remember how 10 days ago I was on that cross? How 10 days ago nobody was around me? Do you remember what you saw? Do you remember the wounds and the scars that I received that, 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 that I, I had on the cross? These are the wounds and scars that I received when I fought for you. You look into these wounds and you see the depth of how much I love you. How I gave life and limb for you. How I, for your sake, suffered all hell. And how I killed death and stomped on the devil. All while I blotted out your sin and showered you with grace and mercy that flowed out of my pores and out of my wounds. Remember, remember how you saw me die with your very eyes. Well, now, Thomas, you look with your very eyes and see, I live. Don't doubt. Believe. And at that moment, Thomas saw all that Jesus ever promised him was true. All his sins really were forgiven. And the victory remained with life. And as despair fled from his heart, and as his eyes were filled with hope, Thomas cried out, My Lord and my God. After the devil failed to get Jesus, he tried to get Thomas. And the reality is, is now that he couldn't get Thomas... He'll try to get you. He assails us with doubt and sorrow. He comes after us to make us think that Jesus can't possibly be alive. He surrounds us with so much turmoil and gossip, so much backstabbing and slander and murder and massacres and school shootings and all of these things that are evil around us. He surrounds us with the devil puts before our face and says, look, you can't help but doubt in God now. You can't help that his death did something. The devil tries to isolate us in our depression, in our troubled marriages, in our addictions, in our grief, our guilt, our adultery, that we can't help but feel like Jesus is still somehow in the grave. The devil surrounds us with graves and caskets as our tears fall upon them for loved ones to make us doubt Jesus' victory over the grave. Many times it seems like no matter how loud the sermon is or how fervently pastor preaches, we hear the devil speaking so loudly in our ears that we can no longer hear or believe the gospel. And many times we do believe it. We believe the things that make us doubt. You have to understand this, that the reason the devil's lies are so persuasive, the reason we're so quick to believe the devil's lies about us, the reason they ring so loudly in our ears 
is because at one time, once, they were true. Just a few days ago, on the morning of Good Friday, everything the devil said was true. Just a few days ago, we were outside of God's family and alienated from him. Just a few days ago, we were buried in our sins, our unrighteousness, and we did not have the love of God. Just a few days ago, when we looked at the cross, we could only see what our sins could do to Christ, our sins piercing the Son of God to death with our disobedience and unbelief. A few days ago, when we looked at the cross, we only saw how guilty we were of sinning against the Son of God. So this is why the voice of the devil and his attack on our conscience sounds so loud to us because there, in fact, on the cross is where we see what it is our sins have accomplished. On the cross, we see what our sins deserve to be forsaken. On that cross, we see how much God utterly and absolutely hates all sin and unbelief. But now, today, all things have changed. The devil's words are no longer true. He's a liar because Christ has risen from the grave. Christ shows us on that cross where our forgiveness is. And it's on that cross where he buried our shame beneath a flood of his blood and he laid our rest, uh, our sorrow to rest in a grave that can never be opened again. It's there on that Christ, the cross that Christ is our victory. On that cross, Christ is our forgiveness. He is our life. He is our salvation. And here today, Christ stands in your midst in the midst of all of your doubts and depression and despair. He stands in the midst of you and all of your problems, all of your issues and troubles and sins. Today we stand here with all the disciples who, though they were at one time skeptics and doubters, they died as martyrs for what they knew to be true. And today we stand with Thomas, whom Christ has made our brother. Here we stand with Thomas, who put his hand on the side of Christ to feel where that spear was, who Thomas later in his life was martyred by a spear. Christ made Thomas our brother so that whenever we begin to doubt, we will remember that Thomas doubted even more. And knowing this, we should be comforted that he would not be convinced by anything but the truth. And it's on this foundation that the church is built, that the tomb is empty, and that Christ has resurrected. By anything but uh, what, what Thomas saw, he would refuse to believe unless he saw it, touched it, grasped it with his own hands and eyes and senses. And today you learn something even greater. As we learn from Thomas, Jesus teaches him to learn from us. Thomas was blessed to see his Lord, but Christ is here today with an even greater and more glorious blessing. He stands in your midst and he speaks his word. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet believe. Blessed are you because it pleased God to convince you of the truth of his resurrection, not through your reason and senses, but because the Holy Spirit has descended upon you and blessed you with faith in his Son. Today you are blessed beyond belief as Christ appears to you through locked doors and closed hearts as he speaks his word of forgiveness that leaves the devil dead at your feet. Today Jesus crushes the devil's plan to make you doubt by breaking the chains of uncertainty and despair as he fills your heart with faith and trust and strength and hope. Today Christ shouts his victory over sin, death, and the devil, proclaiming the truth that the grave is empty 
that Christ is risen for you. As Christ comes today, he shows you that the stripes and scars written on his back earned him the right to write your name in the book of life. By his wounds, he shows you that you are the most precious creature in this world to your God. He appears to you today as he did on the day of your baptism when you were still an infant and he calls you by name and he will call you by that same name out of the grave on that last day. And on the last day, he will take away your faith because he'll fill your eyes with sight. And on that last day, he'll put an end to all of your hope as he makes you see everything he ever promised you. And on that day, he will do away with all of your belief in him. You'll have no need for faith, belief, or hope because he'll show you with your own eyes, with your own reason, with your own senses, with your own hands and feet that everything he said and did was true. So blessed are you who believe and have not yet seen. Amen. Let me not doubt but truly see your word cannot be broken. Your call rings out, come unto me, no falsehood you have spoken. Baptized into your precious name, my faith cannot be put to shame, and I shall never perish. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.